Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, um, go ahead and have a seat. We're going to gather in little groups in just a second here. Uh, we got more worship at the end of service, but for now we're going to kind of uh, transition, get ready to hear uh, what God wants to say to each one of us uh, this morning, so I'm excited about. We're going to be in the Old Testament. We are in a series uh, where we're looking at people of um, past faith and just seeing how they dealt with God and how God dealt with them and the ups and downs. And so we're kind of just learning from people that have walked the journey. And uh, that's what we're in the middle of this summer. And so if you want to open up your Bibles, if you brought your Bible or if it's on your app, like we're going to be in Second Chronicles 1. Second Chronicles 1 is where we're going to be. We'll be in a few other passages. If you want to put your finger in or mark Matthew, We'll be in Matthew chapter 5 and 7. So 2 Chronicles 1, Matthew chapter 7, chapter 5. That's about where we'll be uh, today. Uh, man, it's been just an amazing summer uh, for us uh, as a church. Uh, we have a, a, a good part of our church family is at summer camps. As you guys know, uh, we support and are really a part of Young Life. Uh, and uh, their leaders go here, the students go here, and they're doing a lot of summer camps. And so... Uh, the Garcia family, most of them, most of them are gone, <laughs> so Aliyah's here, but, uh, um, but uh, I mean, Sarai, I'm sorry, Sarai's here, wrong person, um, but Sarai's here, and, uh, but most of your family's gone, huh? Okay, Ron, he's on his, yeah, 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 they're having a great time, though, and so, but really good things are happening, we got a few of our leaders that have just come back. And we have several kids that have given their lives to the Lord. And so we're going to be hearing about that at the end of summer. So that's going to be something really cool to celebrate. Uh, so we're super stoked about that. Uh, also, um, in August, we're going to wrap up summer. We're going to have a beach party. And uh, I'm forgetting the date, but we're going to get that up on the website soon. But I think it's like the first or second Saturday. So just a heads up, uh, we'll give you an announcement about that. We're looking forward to getting together, wrapping up summer. Um, one other thing, just want to let you know about, uh, I've been in contact with a, a church uh, planner's name is Casey. He's coming from Washington, coming down here, and he's planting a church. He actually lives across the street from the, the Ponte Vitas there, yeah. Glenn and I, that's what, their house is where we do our jiu-jitsu and everything, and he's like, hey, I think I know you guys. And so, um, so he uh, is planting a church and is bringing a team together. And so uh, he, I told him, if there's anything you need, we might be helping as a church financially, just so you know. So we really appreciate your generosity. We might be helping them out or equipment, things like that. Uh, even people, I said, if you need something, we got an amazing church. And so um, he's very appreciative. He's got two young women that are going to be interning, kind of helping out part-time. And they're looking for rooms for them. And so uh, they prefer to be with other females uh, or a couple. Um, if they have extra rooms, a casita, anything like that. And so if you know someone uh, or you have that opportunity, um, can you let me know? And I'll let him know. And um, obviously, we're looking, hoping for a ministry discount for them as they're not making much money. But that's what we're looking and praying for. So just want to give you a heads up. Um, talk to me if that's something or email me if that's something that's a possibility. In Second Chronicles 1, we're going to be looking at a, a, a man named Solomon. Many of you guys have, have heard from or heard of him. If you haven't heard of him, he's uh, uh, the son of uh, King David, um, and he's the son that was, uh, in a sense, uh, born out of uh, a true godly wedlock. 
um, and uh, shouldn't have been uh, a king. There was others before him, but it shows us a lot about God and how he views our lives as far as it's not how you start off or where you're at, but it's where you're going. And God can redeem any situation in anybody. And something that should have been shameful, God highlighted. Someone that shouldn't have been king, God chose him as a king. Um, he was a young man when this happened. Uh, I believe this story's also in, I think it's in 2 Kings 3 or 1 Kings. It's in one of the kings. Read all the kings. It's good. But uh, this story's also shared. It's a, it's a, it, it gives a little bit more background. We know he's a young man. Um, we're estimating he, he could be late teens to early 20s, so anywhere maybe 18, 19, 20, 21, when he has this interaction with God. Second Chronicles 1, verse 7. It says, That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me uh, to give you. Um, just so you know, throughout the Bible, we see that God is always interacting with people, but it actually changes over time until we get the fulfillment of Jesus as far as the fullness of God. Uh, and so we see early on in the Old Testament that, that God um, uh, was walking with people or in a sense was face-to-face -face with them, right? And so we know that with um, Abraham. We know that obviously with Adam and Eve. Uh, we know that with Moses, those kinds of things. And then it begins to, to change. Uh, Solomon, most of his experiences with God are gonna be either from stories that he's heard uh, or letters that have already been written that they have. They already began to have an archive. Obviously, his dad, David, had interactions with God, so he'd hear those stories. Psalms was written during his lifetime. Um, and with Solomon, it's going to be through a lot of dreams through his life. And so, and just so you know, um, it's interesting when we go through the Old Testament, we're like, why doesn't God do the same thing nowadays? Well, that's because Jesus now is the fulfillment, and we have the Word of God. They didn't have that. So we don't need necessarily a lot of supernatural things to happen. Now, do supernatural things still happen? Yes. But the most supernatural thing that can happen is the word of God, just so you know. So we believe that as a church, and that anchors all other supernatural interactions, that this is the fullness of God is through the scriptures, through Jesus, which gives us everything that we need. And so he has this dream, which would be a norm in his life. As he talks to God, he says, ask for whatever you want um, me to give you. Solomon answered God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge. Why? That I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And notice God's response to him. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, and honor. You, you know, at this point, he was like, whoo, that was a close one because I was probably thinking of it. You know what I mean? Like, man, I'm so glad I didn't answer that. <laughs> he says, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I've made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who is before you has ever had and none after you will have. Then Solomon went to Jerusalem the high, uh, from the high place at Gibeon from before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Um, as you continue to read 
Solomon's story, it's, it's fascinating as you look at this early blessing that he got from God because of that right heart, right, answering the right answer, but also in the right way, the right motives, the right intentions. Um, and what we see here is that God is incredibly, and it's a question I think he still poses to us today, he's an incredibly generous God. I would say the thesis for today, if we have one statement that we want to hang everything off of that we talk about, and it's, it's really this. I want to encourage you to think about this this week because I believe this will really transform our life. And it's a simple statement of this. God is your greatest resource in life. Let me say that again. God is your greatest resource in life. If you truly believe that, that changes things, right? Because you're passionate about whatever or whoever can resource you. You might not be conscious of that, but it's actually how we live, right? And so if, if you think that a college degree is going to be your greatest resource to getting a job, you're going to spend a lot of money to do it, right? People get an incredible amount of debt. Why? Because I need that resource in order to have a job. I need that, right? Um, if you view certain things, we'll be able to resource you, even relationships, I'll be resourced in certain ways, whether emotionally or I'll get things from it. Or So what is your resource? Your source that sustains you, that helps you to thrive, that helps you to flourish. And when you know that it's God, that changes everything because you can go to him for anything. I, I think the two biggest obstacles for us is, I think for some of us, if we're honest, we view God more as a grumpy giver than a generous giver. And grumpy as far as like, well, if you're not sinning too much, but man, if you sin too much, then I'm not gonna, I'm gonna turn off that faucet, right? Maybe some of us don't feel worthy. Or maybe for some of us, we think God's got bigger issues. He's, he's got other things. I'm just one of what, several billion people? We can get in that mindset, forgetting that God poses this question to us all the time. Right? Doesn't he say in Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knock on the door will be opened? That's New Testament. That wasn't just the Solomon. We're seeing that Jesus is saying that to us. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? I'm looking to give. I'm looking to resource you, that you'll be, have everything you need to succeed in this life. He also reminds us that this is an important mindset to have because if God is not your resource, what does that mean for some of us that are lone stars, right? That means that I'm my only resource. That means life, the bills, the relationships, the future, it's all on my shoulders. What does that produce? Stress. We live in one of the most highly medicated societies in the world and in world history. Why? stress. We have more ailments than almost ever before. And even physical ailments can come from what? Stress, right? But what's your greatest resource with stress? Well, we work out, we try to eat more blueberries, right? We try to get rid of this, try to get rid of that. And I'm not saying those are bad. I'm not saying eating healthy is, is a bad thing. No, absolutely. I'm not saying that working out is a bad thing. No, absolutely. But if that's your greatest resource, what you'll find is you'll continually be in a cycle because it'll never be enough. 
What if God wanted to actually say, I want to resource you in the midst of your stress? It's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. Huge chunk of scripture in Matthew chapter 5, right? Do not what? Worry. As the world. And it says pagans, just so you know. It's an archaic way of saying it. So it's not like pagans like sinners. It's just saying people that are not following God because they don't have God. So they have to be stressed. If I don't have God in my life, I have to be stressed because I believe in no one more powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. And so it's all on me. That stresses me out. He says, remember what he says in Matthew chapter 5? But seek what? First, the kingdom of God. But then what does he say after that? (laughs) You guys are mumbling. I'm talking about blueberries. I don't know, you know? And all these things will be added unto you. All these things. He's saying, I'm looking to be generous, but get your priorities right. As we, I just wanted to take, pull out Chronicles, and I want us to just think about it this week. And I want to pose um, a couple things to you this morning to think about. That God would encourage you and that God would strengthen you. One of the things that we see here is in this passage, I'm going to have kind of three points if you're a note taker. Um, or three ideas that I want to kind of pose to you. Maybe you'll grab onto one of them, or we'll see what the Holy Spirit, how he wants to speak to you today. But the first thing we see here is what we ask for reveals more about ourselves than God. What we ask for reveals more about ourselves than God. I think the reason God asked that question is more for your benefit than for his. Because I don't know if you know this, but even if you don't ask, God probably has been generous in your life. In fact, for many of us, we can say, heck, while I was rebellious, I can look back and God was incredibly generous even during my rebellion. That's why Romans chapter two says it's God's kindness that brings us to repentance. He's even generous with forgiveness to bring us to repentance, right? He's generous in so many ways. I believe the reason that God asks you that question is he wants to see your heart. Because if we're honest, we might give some good godly answers here, but how we live our lives, what we say is God, I want a better job, clear skin, better relationships, better marriage, or to find marriage, right? We're always, there's always discontent there. So the single person wants to be married and the married person questions why they got married and wants to be single, right? We're always discontent. That happens a lot. So I want more things. I'd like bigger house, more cars, whatever it is. But a lot of times it comes down to my personal success if we're honest. When we really look at our prayers or we look at our intentions. And I think that's what God says that reveals a lot about us. So when God asks you this week, what do you want? He really wants to know because it's for your benefit, not necessarily for his benefit. A few questions, maybe to guide you this morning. A few questions is this. Because first of all, maybe for some of us, the challenge is you're not asking God for anything. And I encourage you to start asking God for things. I think daily prayer needs to be asking God for things. But watch what you're asking for because it shows a lot about your heart. Here's what I want to encourage you. Is what I'm asking for for his glory or my pleasure? Is what I'm asking for for his glory or for my pleasure? Is it just about me? God, I just want to accumulate. That's a low level of living. Greed and selfishness is a low level of living. God, just give me a lot of money so I can retire, so I can just golf and just drink my ties and just do nothing. America lives at a low level of living. But when you say, God, give me great retirement, help me to accumulate my retirement account, 
that I can go on missions trips, that I could support missionaries, that I could help go do things, that I could spend time and bring, maybe uh, have parties at people that don't know Jesus, and I can, I can do more things, I can bright some. Oh, now you're starting to say, no, this isn't about me. It's about others, and it's about you. And watch how God begins to bless you as you have that mindset. For the greedy person, the worst thing you can do is bless them. For the unthankful person, the worst thing you can do is give them what they want. Parents, it's a good note to your kids. When your kids are unthankful, it's the worst time to keep giving them stuff just because you want to. The key to being generous is that they learn to be mature and handle it with responsibility and realize it's not about them and that their generosity leads to thankfulness, which leads to them being generous with others. And God's going to do the same thing with us. God is an incredibly loving God, and it'd be completely unloving if we're unthankful and God were to bless us. It's a danger. The blessing actually becomes a burden and becomes a God. Many of us have seen that, right, where God blesses us and the blessing becomes the God rather than God. Another question to ask yourself is, is what I'm asking for to benefit others or only myself? Right? So even asking for wisdom, is the wisdom just so that I'm seen as a certain way and I have all the answers in the room? Or is it so that I can really build up others and maybe even ask good questions and ask, right? And so am I, am I looking to benefit others or am I only asking to benefit myself? Another question maybe to ask is, is what I'm asking for strengthening my character or just making life easier? When we request of God, is it always things or is it more asking God of who we are? God, the greatest thing I can ask for is make me more loving. God, give me more, more humility. God, give me greater wisdom. God, give me greater passion. Aren't those the more important things than God, give me these other things? In fact, if we have the right character, then these other things we can enjoy even more when you have the right character. One of the, the sad things that you'll read if you read Solomon's life, and I don't know if you guys have ever read Ecclesiastes. It's kind of an interesting book. Um, but it's basically a man that pursues everything and feels like he has nothing. <laughs> What's interesting is when you read Solomon's life, it's, it's, it's kind of sad because he asks God for this and God blesses him immensely. And what I've seen this can happen in our lives is we ask God for blessing, God blesses us, and those blessings become a distraction to God. And that happened in Solomon. He actually got lazy at times. He lost focus at times. Uh, the wealth that got to his head at times. The very thing we ask for can be the very thing that destroys our faith and our walk with God. I've seen people do that all the time. Oh, God, please give me a, you know, they're so desperate for a spouse. Give me a spouse. They're not working on their character. They're not just enjoying ministry. And then they get married, and then, then that actually takes them away from God. Because they're so desperate, they can't wait for a godly person. They just meet whoever, and then all of a sudden, two years later, they're not going to walk with God. Um, or, God, give me that job. God, give me that opportunity. And that's the very thing of then all of a sudden it distracts them away from Christian relationships. We just got to be careful sometimes what we think is the answer can actually be a distraction. And that helps us as far as when God says yes, but at times when God says no. We realize that he's not mean, that he's loving. But he'll always give more when it comes to anything of character. God, give me wisdom. Give me kindness. God, give me more forgiveness because I notice I forgive this group of people, but I can't forgive this group of people. Imagine if we grew in the way we forgave, the way we showed mercy. 
I think that would give us way better life than more money, more cars, higher promotions, the things that the world desires. The other thing that um, we don't necessarily in this passage, but we see throughout Solomon's life is this, is that not just what we ask for reveals more about ourselves than God, but the second thing is that God will resource you naturally and supernaturally. God will resource you naturally and supernaturally. Here's what we know with Solomon, because he asked for wisdom, and some of us just think that God's like, ooh, right? And he just became like at 20 years of age, instantly wise. Well, that didn't necessarily happen. When God will bless you, what you'll notice is sometimes it happens supernaturally, but also it happens through natural methods, which means you have to put work into it. When you're asking God, right, to be more loving, it might be good to read books on how to be a more loving person. It might be good then to maybe get some professional counseling and work on some skills. It might be good to talk to people that are older than you that are Christians and, and, and get some mentoring. God works with the natural and supernatural. So as you ask God for things, make sure you're seeking ways that he might answer that prayer. If you're asking God, and it's not a bad thing for financial blessing, that you could do more ministry, support more ministries, great. Are you taking finance management classes? Do you know how to even manage the money if he were to give it to you? God, give me that promotion. Not necessarily a bad thing, that I could have more influence at my school or at my job, that I could be a person of leader and bring, bring Christian faith into it. No, 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 great intention, but then are you getting the right degree for it? Are you reading the right books? Are you talking to the right people? Sometimes when we ask God with things, what we do is we're passive then. We're like, God, while I'm sleeping, just download everything, right? And here's what I want to encourage you with. Make sure that you passionately seek as much as you're asking. Because God will bless you in the seeking. He'll bless you supernaturally, but he'll also bless you in the natural. So as you go and as you seek out mentors, what you'll find is that God will then supernaturally give you the right mentors. So it's not a passive thing. It's actually an active listening. And it's actively as you're asking, you're also pursuing it in your life and God opens doors. I think it's really important because sometimes Christians, we just kind of do it through osmosis that God's going, no, 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 work with him and watch the doors and the blessings open up. So just remember that, and Solomon did this. Just as much as Solomon, God gave him wisdom. He educated himself. He had one of the largest libraries in the world at the time. The dude was reading. The dude was uh, networking, resourcing uh, himself. And so he was doing both the natural and the supernatural. And the third point is this, and I already alluded to a little bit, but the third one is this. Make sure that God's blessings uh, for us don't become a distraction to us. Make sure God's blessing for us don't become a distraction to us. That's why Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given unto you. Just be careful that good things don't become God's. God always becomes God. There's that song uh, that he gives and takes away, right? But Lord, blessed be your name. And I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes it's a blessing that God gives, and sometimes it's actually a blessing that God takes away. And I really find out the maturity of my faith. If I can only praise God when he gives, and I despise him when he takes away, you don't know who God is. You actually despise the very love that he's trying to give you. So when he takes away, I consider that a blessing. And when he gives, I consider that a blessing. Why? Because God is my greatest resource and he's good. And if he's always good, then I don't have to worry. 
Whether I have it or not, I have him. Does that make sense? I think some of us live out a faith where we just survive, just trying to make it across the finish line to heaven. I think some of us have lowered our expectations. And survival's good at some point. You know, you want to survive, right? That's that's good. It's kind of like when you're treading water. It's like, you know, I just want to keep my head above water. That's fine. But I think some of us think that's the pinnacle of the Christian life. It's like, well, just bear it and just kind of get through it and get to heaven. That's when it's all good. The Bible never says that. Heaven starts now. That's why he says the kingdom of God is now. And I think we're at a time that no matter what's happening in the United States, no matter what's happening in California, this is a time not only for Christians to survive, but to thrive. But to look at God as a resource, not the state of California, not the educational system, not a certain friendship, not a certain thing, not my job. God is my primary resource. I don't have to rely on any other human being. He will give me all good things. It's him that I ask. It's him that I seek. That's the door I knock on. Whether I have the degree or not, whether I have the relationship or not, whether I have the skills or not, whether I have the background or not, whether I ha- it doesn't matter. I have God, which means I have everything. I believe Solomon, when he asked for this, knew very well a psalm that his dad wrote and probably passed down to him. Psalm 37 was written by David, and this is probably what David passed down to his son. He said this, do not fret because of those who are evil. Do we live in a time where there's plenty of evil going on around us? I mean, I know from my heart, I have to be careful because if you turn on the news or anything like that, we can become obsessed with evil people rather than God. And we also forget that we were once evil people too, that God saved us. So we begin to treat them as if they'll never be saved. Let's be conscious of that. So when I watch the news, I'd, oh, how can I raise my kids in this society? This is the worst. Guess what your parents said when they were raising you back in the 80s? The very same things. We had plenty of sin in the 80s. Plenty of sin. And guess what? My mom and dad, what their parents said of their generation, oh my gosh, the 60s are the worst, right? As every generation does it. Christians, we don't get caught up in that. We're not fearful. We're not, there's no angst there. It's like, ah, what's happening? Taxes and this, that. There's no angst. doesn't matter. God's my resource. Do not fret because of those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. Oh, have you been there? I'm trying to follow God, but... My friend who doesn't follow God, they're more blessed. <laughs> Happier family, more money, drive a better car. That we could do that. We do it subconsciously. It's like, wait a second. Is this really paying off on God? And he says, no, nope, don't be envious. For they are like the grass. They will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die. Trust in the Lord, young Solomon. Do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Does that not encourage you today? Can I read that again? Psalm 37, 4. Maybe for some of us, maybe we need to memorize. This is the one verse we need to memorize. This is how God's going to speak to you. Take delight, not in the things of God, in him as a supernatural being who personally knitted you in your mother's womb, knows you, loves you, and wants to be generous towards you. Delight in him. Him, delight in his mercy, 
Delight in his grace. Delight in his provision. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to encourage you with this. Not only does he give you the desires of your heart, he'll actually change your heart to have better desires than you currently do now. You see, when you get close to God, your desires can't be about you. Your desires become about other people. Your desires lift, and he fulfills those desires. And that's when a church gets on fire, no matter what the, the, the political climate. That's when a church gets on fire, no matter what the financial climate. That's when a church gets on fire, no matter what the academic or social environment. That doesn't affect us because God is our provider. So even if I ask God for things, it's not for myself. It's so I can bless others. And if I ask God, uh, not just for things, but I ask him for character traits, that's even better because the better quality of our character, the better quality of our life, better than financial, better than educational. A person of character will always enjoy, enjoy life more and enjoy a relationship with God more than a person who has accumulated many things but does nothing with them. We're going to take some time and with worship, just, you know, we worship at the end, just so you can kind of like sit in this and really let God speak to you. Um, we also have communion just around the corner there. Communion's a great time to remember the generosity of God's love. I hope you're motivated by this, that you can never question God's love because rather than you going to the cross to pay for your sins, he did it for you. He wanted to prove how generous he is and how much he loves you. So as you take communion, maybe you could do it. Some of you might want to do it by yourself and just talk to God personally. Maybe for some of you, the Holy Spirit might lead you to do it with some family and friends and pray together. But let's just receive through communion a sign of God's generosity um, today. And so you have communion if you want. We're going to worship. So the worship team, go ahead and come on up. And I just want to end again. The rest of Psalm 37 as the worship team gets ready. So he goes on to say, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. His answers are not always quick. So be patient. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger do not, and turn from wrath. Do not freak out. It only leads to evil. When we stress and freak out, it doesn't lead to godliness. It leads to evil in our lives. It breaks down relationships. It, it breaks down our character. He said, listen, for those who are evil, if they continue, they'll be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Jesus, I pray that we would not just be a church that survives, but we thrive. And not because of our wealth or because of our um, giftedness or because of things that we have, but just because we know you and you're generous. I pray we would thrive in wisdom. I pray we would thrive in love. I pray we would thrive in mercy. I pray we would thrive in passion. I pray we would thrive in being missional and seeing new people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray we would thrive in joy. 
and with that character, then we can receive all good things from you. And if it's financial, if it's relational, and if it's whatever it is, that then we receive those things and they never become gods because we already have a God. And nobody else becomes a God in our life because we have you. And then we can handle those things with great joy and responsibility. And so God, we just come to you now. We take delight in you. We worship you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.